1: www.rightfromthedeep.com Hey guys, want to know what's going on in the new year with Right From the Deep? Well, here you go. Well, as always,
0: first and foremost, thank you to our wonderful patrons on Patreon. You guys, you help make this show possible. That is not an understatement. We are so thankful for you. It does take time and money to put this together and you guys help us. And if other people want to see how that works, you can go to patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash
1: right from the deep thanks so much to our January sponsor of the month, Wendy L. McDonald. Wendy. Not (laughs) Not only is Wendy a writer, she also produces a weekly short inspirational podcast on Spotify called Hope Walking with Wendy. Go check it out. Yes. And another thanks for our sponsorship from the Novel Marketing
0: Podcast with one of our favorite people on the planet, Thomas Umstead Jr. It is the longest running book marketing podcast in the world. And Thomas knows what he's talking about. His podcast is full of all kinds of useful information and advice like Novel
1: Marketing's Ten Commandments of Book Marketing, which we've been talking about. So this week, we're talking about commandment number eight, thou shalt surround thyself with savvy authors. Thomas says there are some things you can only learn from other authors. The savvier your friends are, the more you will learn.
0: Yes, and my experience, it makes me agree 100% with this. I've had a lot of wonderful author friends throughout my career, and they have taught me a bunch. First, my local American Christian Fiction Writers chapter, and then several years later, I joined a mastermind group who have been amazing. These women are amazing and helpful, and I can't agree more, thou shalt surround thyself with savvy authors.
1: I agree with this as well. Having worked with so many different authors and having so many of them become friends, I've also been blessed with a brainstorming group. We meet once a year and talk to each other and and our experiences are different. And so in sharing those experiences and what God has taught us and how to go through them, and we even talk about things like where to use commas and what about a semicolon in (laughs) fiction? You know, there are so many things that other people... Just wouldn't get. But when we're together and one of us says, I need to know a good poison that won't leave a trace. Nobody freaks out. We all (laughs) dig right in and we try to figure out what that poison would be. So, yeah, surround yourself with savvy authors because you'll learn and you'll laugh together. And that's amazing. Indeed. And for more book promotion and
0: platform help, listen to Novel Marketing in your favorite podcast app or at novelmarketing.com. And we've also been um, taking turns sharing a wonder, and this time it's my turn. And I have to tell you, um, it's the new year, and one of the things I like to do every year is read through the Bible in a different version. And this year, I actually have one of Karen's Bibles, (laughs) having worked for so many different publishing companies. She's got a collection. (laughs) And so um, this year I'm reading through the message, which I've never read through before. And guys, I'm just thankful for God's Word. That is a wonder to me, how it always is fresh and alive. It says it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It's living, it's active. God's Word has been preserved for a century after century after century. That is a wonder that God chooses to reveal Himself in His Word, and I am super excited for a new year in a new Bible version. (laughs) (laughs) And now, here's the show! Welcome, listeners! We're excited to have you here with us
1: in the deep today. This podcast has been developed in response to something that was shared with us by a listener who said one of the hardest things for her in the writing journey was battling procrastination. Now, you want to know something funny? When we decided to buckle <laughs> down and actually do this podcast, we discovered we'd started it already. Twice. Indeed. <laughs> once in September and once in November. <laughs> so but we procrastinated. I told, <laughs> yeah, I told Aaron our next podcast should be on irony. <laughs> should be. I mean, okay, so uh,
0: procrastination, right? If there's one thing that all writers have to do, we must do this. And I'm talking, you guys, every writer... Everywhere, no matter who you are, no matter what you write, you got to do this one thing. You got to put your behind, your backside in the chair and write, which of course we lovingly refer to as BIC, but we all understand, right, the necessity of BIC, okay? it's It's got to be done or we're not writers. But sometimes or often we struggle to do this like and sometimes every day we struggle to actually do BIC.
1: Now, you may be one of those amazing writers who has no problem with this. You write every day. You meet your word goal. You have no trouble turning your projects in on time or, and I can barely wrap my mind around this (laughs) even early, but even if you don't procrastinate in your writing, there may be other areas in your life, whether personal, spiritual, emotional, financial, where you keep saying to yourself, I know I need to deal with this and I will soon but soon just never seems to arrive. And more often than not, the damage from chronic procrastination will sneak into your writing as well. Right, so let's dive in.
0: First, okay, we need to make sure we're all talking and thinking about the same thing. What is procrastination? Well, according to Webster, procrastination is intentionally putting off something that needs to be done. And, okay, you guys would be amazed how common it is to procrastinate among all people throughout all time. There's an article written by an author and researcher, Eric Jaffe, and he points out in his article, Why Wait? (laughs) The Science Behind Procrastination. He has this quote, the Greek poet Hesiod, writing around 800 BC, cautioned people not to put your work off till tomorrow and the day after. And then he goes on to say the Roman council Cicero also called procrastination hateful in the conduct of affairs. And then he also says, for all we know, the dinosaurs saw the meteorite coming and went back to their game of angry pterodactyls.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love it when a scientist actually has a sense of humor, but when it comes down to it, procrastination really isn't very funny or fun. And I know. Yes, yes, she does know. And which is exactly why I
0: said, hey, Karen, I think this podcast should be the one you put together. (laughs) Because in her very own words, she is a master procrastinator.
1: I hate to say it, but I've always been a procrastinator. Even as a little kid, I often put things off to the last minute because I could. Looking I've realized I was just too smart for my own good. I could do whatever I needed to when I needed to in very little time. Which my I older hate, brother, by the way. <laughs> yeah, my older brother hated that too. As I got older, I actually enjoyed the last minute pressure of meeting a deadline in a fraction of the time I was given. I've always been competitive, and I was in a lot of sports. I loved the rush that came on game day or competition day, whatever it was in. Everything was on the line, and the pressure upped my game. I excelled in the face of pressure. Which uh, sounds like an adrenaline junkie. I'm just saying. Yeah, well, more or less, I am. But it worked for me for a long time. And that has the ring of somebody
0: who maybe it's not working anymore for. Yeah,
1: definitely not. So true confession time. (laughs) I put this podcast together on Monday, two days before we were supposed to record it. And the only reason I did it on Monday and not Tuesday. was because I thought we were recording it on Tuesday. But the cool (laughs) thing is, as so often is the case, God was at work. I finished the podcast Monday evening and I was happy with it. I'd had a fun idea and I wrote the podcast accordingly with a sense of humor. Yay, me. Good job. Go to bed. (laughs) But I know that's not the end of the story. Well, it was right up until I woke up Tuesday morning and realized something wasn't right. You know, where you go from that sleep into being awake, in the midst of that, it was clear God was nudging me, even convicting me. He told me I needed to, and here's the big surprise, go deeper in the podcast. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, I'd created something fun for you guys, but but I hadn't created something true. Not really. I'd hit on the positives I'd experienced from procrastination and skipped right over what really mattered, the cost the deep, disturbing, damaging cost of being a chronic procrastinator. I apologized to God, got up, and I reworked the podcast. And you want to know the real irony? Of course. If I hadn't gotten confused, Used about when we were recording, if I'd followed my tendency for last-minute work, I wouldn't have had an extra day to make this podcast what God wanted it to be. How's that for a pointed lesson?
0: What I love is God's graciousness in working on, with us, and and that shows, uh, even in our weaknesses, God is so gracious to work with yeah. us, and we so often we We wonder if he loves us. I don't know how when we can see examples of his graciousness. So if procrastinating can be harmful, why do we put things off? I mean, come on, guys. Why do we not just settle in, put our nose to the grindstone, and do what we know we need to do? I mean, come on. Logic tells us, right, if we just spend a little time on those things each day, they would get done. Progressively, they would get done. And then we could just move on to something else freely. No guilt,
1: no shame. That sounds great. You know, some people do exactly that. You, for example, you're amazing the way you know what needs to be done, and you just do it, (laughs) she says. But I have to say, well, usually,
0: uh, I, I have definitely put things off before. And especially um, when I have to do something that's hard, when I have to do something I don't know how to do. And I'll tell you guys, for a good example, I got a staircase in my house right now that needs fixing. The banister needs refinishing. The spindles need refinishing. It all needs updating. And seriously, it's a whole thing. This is a big, big project. And it's overwhelming to me. Like I got to figure out what gel stain is. How do I deal with the carpeting? How do I cut off a newel post cap? You know? So yeah, I'm guilty of putting that off. We've been in this house well over a year and
1: that staircase isn't done yet. Well, but you've got to admit, it's not like you haven't had anything else to do. True. You've been working constantly, but everybody has a tendency to put things off especially if they're hard or they don't think they know exactly how to do it. You know, most everybody in some way or another procrastinates. But in Eric Jaffe's article, he shares a quote from Joseph Ferrari. I love that guy's name, (laughs) Ferrari. He's a professor of psychology at DePaul University, and he's a pioneer of modern research on procrastination. So here's the quote from Ferrari. What I found is that while everybody may procrastinate, not everyone is a procrastinator. In fact, Ferrari's work has found that only around 20% of people are chronic procrastinators who, for the sake of this podcast, will just call us CPs. And I say us because I'm among that 20%. Contrary to what a lot of people think, Ferrari says being a CP has nothing to do with time management or with being lazy, which is why he says telling a CP to just do it would be like saying to a clinically depressed person, cheer up get
0: over it. And I find that really interesting because a lot of people think chronic procrastinators, CPs, are just lazy and that's why they keep putting things off. But yeah, it's an oversimplification of something that's a complex issue. As Karen and I were talking about this podcast way earlier (laughs) when we first started thinking about doing this, (laughs) which we put off, um, we came up with a lot of reasons why people procrastinate. And I think one of those is fear, like fear that you can't do What you thought you could do, maybe the project when you get into it feels too big or it's overwhelming and you don't know where to start. Like my staircase. (laughs) (laughs) Or you realize you don't have the knowledge or the skill you need to do this thing. So again, where do you start? And so you put it off and you put it off. But doing that can have terrible effects on our reputation, especially if we've agreed to do this, because then we become known as people who don't do what we say will do. And it can have a bad effect on our relationships, like something has to give when we're working hours upon hours to get something done at the last minute. And too often, the thing that gives is time with family or friends or even our health can suffer
1: which makes more sense than we may realize. When you constantly put something off, then have to scramble to do it, you trigger stress in your body. So when you're stressed like that, physically stressed, your cortisol levels spike to give you the energy to face whatever crisis you're in. It's that old fight or flight syndrome. And even if we don't consciously see it as a crisis, our body reacts to the pressure as if it is which is really no big deal when it happens off and on. But if you're a CP, then the stress and cortisol spikes become chronic as well. And that can lead into all kinds of health issues. Yeah. And
0: then there's perfectionism, which I know something about. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and, and that's a great reason, we think, to put something off. You know, if we can't do it the way it should be done, why even start? And I understand that. Perfectionism can also contribute to that fear that we were talking about earlier because we're afraid we can't do it perfectly or even well. And another reason we procrastinate is that the project just isn't high enough priority. So we know, I mean, come on, there's lots of things that we can focus on and invest in. And that project gets bumped way down to the bottom of the list of what's most important to us. But if that's the case and the deadline is still there, suddenly we're in pressure mode again.
1: You know, and that's especially hard when you find you've lost your passion for what you're working on. How often as writers do we hit a point in our manuscripts and we're convinced it's the worst thing we've ever done? That what started out with such promise is now just a convoluted mess. It's easy, especially for a chronic procrastinator, to set something aside when you're feeling meh about it I've been involved in projects that at the beginning I was so excited but then something happened and suddenly that excitement fizzled those somethings can be internal like we talked about with fear um, or they can be external like an illness or a boss who changes your priorities or a loss of funding all of those kinds of things can just kind of take the the energy and the excitement out of you
0: So all of that then, the fear, the scrambling, the stress, that's going to stir up self-doubt, which then, you know, ushers in things like guilt and shame and anxiety. And now the real damage of chronic procrastination sets in. You might have put off the work, but not the deadline. And then the deadline draws closer and your anxiety gets deeper. And self-recrimination, negative self-talk, what's wrong with me? Why can't I get this done? Why did I put this off? I'm betting that a lot of CPs wake up in the middle of the night fighting guilt and anxiety. I
1: sure did. And it's been proven that a lack of solid sleep leads to things like a lack of focus or mood swings, not to mention health issues. In fact, they say that a lack of solid sleep is one of the primary causes for health problems and even stroke. So no wonder our creativity suffers. So that even when we finally do try to do the work, we just sit and stare at the blank screen. I remember feeling at times like my brain was just seized up, so much so that my head hurt. It actually physically hurt. And I just Sat there feeling stupid or worthless or, worst of all, disobedient to God who gave me the task, which just made me more depressed, which made me put things off until it wasn't just last-minute work to meet a deadline, but I actually missed the deadlines. And then I spiraled even deeper into guilt and shame. Well, you get the idea. No wonder we continue to put things off when we feel that way. What's that old quote? Being defeated is a temporary condition. Giving up is what makes it permanent. Yeah, well, I have a better quote. And it (laughs) comes from Apostle, the
0: Apostle Paul. His second letter to Timothy in chapter one, verses six and seven, he says, fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. You hear that guy's power, love, self-discipline discipline. Those are tools that we've been given, and those are tools we can use when self-doubt derails us. God has not given us fear. He's not given us a spirit that gives up. He has given us power, and it's not our own. It's His, and nothing Nothing can stand in the face of that. He's given us His love for Him, for our readers, for people we encounter, and for ourselves. You guys, that comes from Him. We don't have to manufacture it. We just have to accept that from Him through us to others. And He does give us self-discipline. He's already promised that if we'll take hold of it, even though we don't necessarily feel like we have it, it is there. We got to take hold. We got to tap into it. God did not intend for us to be shackled by fear or anything else for that matter. He wants us to move
1: forward with Him, in Him, through Him. Amen. You know, chronic procrastination is about a lot more than putting things off. It's it's about letting ourselves be sidetracked. It's about focusing on circumstances and not on God. It's about rebellion. You know, I, I've always struggled with that cheerleader syndrome. I don't want to miss out on the fun stuff, so I'll just do this work God gave me later. Uh, but, you know, think about it. If if God didn't give us a spirit of fear, who did? I think that answer is pretty clear. So the first and most powerful step in dealing with chronic procrastination is to realize a couple of things. First, we have this work because God gave it to us. It's not our work. It's His. It's not that we're putting off our work. We're putting off God's work. When I realized that, man, pulled me up short. I mean, who was I to tell God I didn't feel like doing his work? And then second, our focus has to be on God, the one who gave us this task of writing or editing or whatever he's given us. We need to pray. We need to read his word and we need to confess our fears to him, surrender them, then ask God how to move forward. Remember Isaiah 35:4: Be strong and do not fear, for your God is coming to save you. Mm, I love that. And so, okay, if we have that as our foundation
0: and motivation, we can deal with the other causes of procrastination, such as you know when that project is overwhelming in size or scope or when we realize we need more knowledge or more skill. Um, James Clear, you guys might remember that we talked about him when we did our podcast on building healthy habits. And James Clear wrote an article called How the Two-Minute Rule Can Help You Beat Procrastination and start new habits um, and, I, and I love that because it helps us, you know, it's, it's designed, this two-minute rule is designed to help you stop procrastinating and stick to the good habits and this is what he says in that article, starting a new habit should never take more than two minutes to do. So, the idea is that you scale down any job any job into a series of small bites, two minute bites even. And then you organize those bites in order of importance and then you tackle them one or actually two, two minutes at a time.
1: So when you have a goal of write 300 pages or write a thousand words, break those down into that two minute rule so it becomes write for two minutes. When I did this, I learned how many pages or words I could write in two minutes. And I can give myself then a range of two-minute slots for the day. Shoot, even I can get my backside in a chair for two minutes at a shot. That may be my, <laughs> my limit, and then I'm up and jumping to do something else, but then that next two-minute goal is there. And when we're faced with what seems like a gargantuan task, we can take to heart what David said to those preparing to build God's temple in First Chronicles 28.20. And I love this. Be strong and courageous and do the work. Don't be afraid or discouraged for the Lord God my God is with you he will not fail you or forsake you he will seek to it that all the work is finished correctly listen to that guys he will see to it that all the work is finished correctly
0: I love that. And when you think about having to learn something new and you're just like, oh my gosh, I have to read that book. Don't don't think of it that way. You don't have to. It can be read the first five pages of that book or the first page of that book, you know, and then when that's done, then read the next page or the next five pages or whatever. And I'll tell you, this is what's helping me with my staircase. It's like, <laughs> how do I get one stupid spindle off. <laughs> just tell me how to do that. And then it's one section at a time. Because let me tell you, I counted, there's 101 spindles, <laughs> okay? <laughs> this is a long staircase with a whole loft thing. And uh, it just, it's a whole big thing. I got to think about it as first one spindle at a time, and then one little section at a time. Yeah. And then when you're thinking about perfectionism, you know, <laughs> uh, let me just say, perfect is a lie. The project, it's never going to be perfect. We got to let go of that before we start. And we also have to realize God is the one who's perfect. In fact, like that's what it means to be God, that you're perfect. So we can't be there. We we are human. And so that means we're by definition not perfect. And nothing that we do in and of ourselves can ever be perfect. Perfect. We've got to let go of that picture and grab a new picture called Obedience. Mm.
1: You know, it helps me every day when I sit down to do whatever I'm trying to do, to ask God what He wants me to accomplish. I have a to-do list in my head, or I actually have to-do lists that I write out, which I usually lose, but at least it gives me (laughs) an idea of what I'm supposed to be doing. But I set those aside and I just ask Him, Okay, Lord, what do you want me to accomplish today? And when I have a clear sense of that, I focus on doing just that. Every day, get your working orders from Him. Then do your best with the time you have, the real time, not the stolen time from putting it off. When you put off a project until you miss the deadline, you're stealing time that isn't yours to make up for it. Time from your co-workers, from your friends and family, time from God. Just... I know, I'm not supposed to say this, but don't do it. Don't don't let yourself fall into that because you're stealing from others. And third, at the end of your agreed upon time, let it go. Turn it in. Trust that if God brought this project to you, he will equip you to do it and to finish it. Okay, let's go to the next one. Erin, what are we supposed to do when a lack of passion makes us put something off? Well, okay. So a lack of passion
0: means a lack of motivation to me. That's what it says to me. So, with any project that comes your way, before you ever agree to it, you've got to know your why. You've got to understand your motivation. If you had a great motivation, a great why at the beginning, but then you find your excitement is dimming, it's really helpful to go back to that motivation. Like, why did you agree to it in the first place? What was it that excited you about it? And now, what has changed? And that helps you find or refind your motivation or your excitement. And if you can't find it, maybe it's something that you're supposed to actually step out of. I know I talk to writers who like started a book, and then they lose their passion for that book. And they're like, okay, so should I finish it? And then they end up not writing it. Now, if you don't have a contract and you don't have somebody breathing down your neck for this deadline, maybe you shouldn't finish that book because it's, you know, just God teaching you along the way. You learned what you needed to learn with that half a book, then go on to a new one. It's okay sometimes. That's, that's sometimes the way God works. Now, if you can't otherwise find motivation and you know this is a deadline, this is something you've agreed to do, then it's time to let obedience be your motivation. And that's okay, too. You've got to be obedient to God and follow through. So sometimes these all work as a solution for when the project isn't high enough on your priority list Too asking these questions about motivation. Um, why isn't this high on my priority list? If you figure out the motivation and the value of the project, and then you ask yourself, how does that compare with whatever else you're doing? It helps you understand how you're prioritizing. I mean, you've got to make sure that the time blocks that you're spending on your various tasks match what you think your priorities are. Sometimes we get those out of balance. Like, for example, people spend way too much time on email when that's not the most important thing in their life. If you ask them, what is your priority? It's probably not, you know, email, but yet it somehow takes over our life. So that's what I'm saying. Like, figure out your whys and make sure what you're doing with your time matches what your priorities are. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, we've talked about all this. Karen, have you stopped? This is, the, this is the question. Have you stopped being a CP, a chronic procrastinator?
1: Yeah, well, not entirely. Remember, <laughs> I like working under pressure.
0: Okay, so you're saying procrastination is good for you? Uh, I'm saying it could be helpful for me when I do it right. Okay. All right. That's fair enough. Okay. So, and I agree with you. For some people, some forms of procrastination can be helpful. So share your secrets for doing procrastination right.
1: Well, like we said, first, I have to be realistic about what I can do and the amount of time it takes me to do it. I'm not as fast as at writing or at, at much of anything as when I was younger. And so nowadays, what used to take me days or weeks now takes me weeks or months. And there are a lot of reasons for that. Health reasons, unexpected life events, and so on.
0: <laughs> and memory. We both struggle <laughs> with memory issues. We do. I forgot all about that. Yeah,
1: seriously. (laughs) As we age, we all have new challenges and hindrances to deal with. And, And then there's life changes. Writing when you're single is different than when you're married. And it's different than when you have kids and on and on it goes. I don't like that I'm slower at doing things now than I used to be. But I've come to a place where I accept it because I can't change it. So I have to accept it. That then is step one. Be realistic about my timelines based on what I can do now. And when I do that, I can take step two, which is plan. For procrastination, because I know I'm going to do it and I can break the project down into small, achievable goals. That two minute rule. Uh, yep, exactly. And then I can add in case days to my schedule. <laughs> days.
0: In case days. Like in case of what? It sounds like uh, in case of emergency. Or I know in case you can't work because maybe your house gets robbed or maybe you break your
1: shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. here's the sad fact, both of those happened. And yes, that's exactly right. In case I'm sick, in case I'm dealing with brain fog, or even once in a while, in case it's the first sunny day in a month and I want to work in my garden, whatever the in case is, I have those days plugged in. And then I put in my rewards for meeting my many goals. You know, my love language is gifts. So when I meet a goal, I give myself a gift, nothing big or expensive, just something that brings me joy. Okay, but wait, as a
0: CP, won't you just keep putting things off and then you go through all your in-case days and end up in trouble?
1: You know, I won't say never, but remember the foundation is the realization that God gave me this work to do, and it's His work, and my focus has to be on Him, not circumstances. So with that in mind, giving myself the freedom to use an in-case day actually re-energizes me because as often as not, when I spend the day away from a task, my mind is still processing and pondering that task. So when I return to it, I'm ready to go. And I'm motivated by the thought of my reward. You'd be amazed how much a reward like playing with the dogs or working in the garden or an extra cup of coffee just gives me lots of excitement about the project (laughs) and meeting that goal. So bottom line for me and for a lot of people, it's about balance, balancing freedom with responsibility, goals with rewards, work with fun. When I strike that balance, everything works. And when something happens to throw that balance off, I've got my in-case days.
0: Right. But we all know there are times that everything goes out the window for whatever reason, like, say, a rampaging fire that forces you to (laughs) evacuate or a concussion from falling on a poorly marked wet floor. And I mention
1: these again because they've actually happened to you. What then? Well, then I've got God's promise in Romans 8. That he's there to cause everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance. He chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, I love this part, he gave them his glory. So in whatever we do, however we do it, let's remember we've been given God's glory. And let's do the work he's given us, his work, with excellence and joy. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. You can find previous episodes and more resources at writefromthedeep.com. And I bet you know someone who needs this podcast. So please share it with them. So until next time, embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same.